for joining me on another episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm your host, Neil Parks. Enjoy the ride. What better time than now for our government to sneak in a story like what I'm about to share with you, considering we are in the midst of a global pandemic right now, sharing vital information about the existence of UFOs. Now would be a great time for them just to sneak it in under the radar, undetected, and no one really even notice. The Pentagon has officially released UFO videos, uh, three short videos, in fact, of unidentified aerial phenomena that had previously been released by a private company. The videos show what appeared to be an unidentified flying object rapidly moving while recorded by infrared cameras. Two of the videos contain service members reacting in awe at how quickly the objects are moving. One voice speculates that it could be a drone. The Navy previously acknowledged the veracity of the videos in September of last year. They are officially releasing them now in order to clear up any misconceptions by the public on whether or not the footage that has been circulating was real or whether or not there is more to the videos, according to Pentagon spokesperson Sue Go. After a thorough review, the department's have determined that the authorized release of these unclassified videos does not reveal any sensitive capabilities or systems, said Go in a statement, and does not impinge on any subsequent investigations of military airspace, incursions, or unidentified aerial phenomena. The Navy now has formal guidelines for how its pilots can report when they believe they have seen possible UFOs. The Navy videos were first released between... December 2017 and March 2018 by To the Stars Academy of Arts and Sciences, a company co-founded by former Blink-182 musician Tom DeLonge that says it studies information about unidentified aerial phenomena. In 2017, one of the pilots who saw one of the unidentified objects in 2004 told CNN that it moved in ways he could not explain nor had he ever seen. As I got close to it, it rapidly accelerated to the south and disappeared in less than two seconds, said retired U.S. Navy pilot David Fravor. This was extremely abrupt, like a ping-pong ball bouncing off of a wall. It would hit and then go the other way instantly. The Pentagon has previously studied recordings of aerial encounters with unknown objects as part of a since shuttered classified program that has launched at the behest of former Senator Harry Reid of Nevada. The program was launched in 2007 and ended in 2012, according to the Pentagon, because they assessed that there were higher priorities that needed funding. Nevertheless, the former head of the classified program told CNN in 2017 that he personally believes there is very compelling evidence that we may not be alone. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Bernie Sanders says he'll reveal the truth about aliens if he's elected president. So far, we've had 
two presidential candidates, one who is currently and unfortunately still our president, Donald Trump, who said at several of his little pep rallies that if he is reelected president, he will cure cancer. He will eradicate AIDS. And then Joe Biden turns around and says the same stupid thing. Neither one of these men have the power, the intellect, or the resources to do that. So making that a part of a campaign promise is political suicide, stupid, and just outright cruel. The Democratic 2020 candidate, Bernie Sanders, told Joe Rogan that if elected, he will reveal if UFOs exist, but only because his wife told him to. Presidential candidate Bernie Sanders has pledged to reveal the truth about aliens if he's elected in 2020. Podcast host Joe Rogan, like I said, asked the senator from Vermont in the final moments of an hour-long interview. He would tell the public about aliens and UFOs if he were to find something out while in office. Well, I'll tell you, my wife would demand that I let you know, Sanders replied with a laugh, adding that she had pressed him in his role as senator for any information on aliens. He said he doesn't have access to those kind of records. Sanders went on to say that if he did become president and found out anything about aliens, he'd announce it on the Joe Rogan experience. Though, this is a common question for Rogan to ask his guests. It comes after a recent uptick in conversations about UFOs following a rise in reports of unidentified aircraft by military pilots earlier this year. When asked about the increase in reports during an interview with ABC News in June, President Donald Trump provided little clarity on the origin of these reports. I think it's probably, I want them to think whatever they think. They do say, and I've seen, and I've read, and I've heard, and I did have one very brief meeting on it, but people are saying they're seeing UFOs. Do I believe it? Not particularly, he said. We're watching, and you'd be the first to know. To the disappointment of UFO watchers, Trump's predecessor was equally vague when pried for information on extraterrestrials when asked whether he'd demanded to see all of the classified files about Area 51 and UFOs on Jimmy Kimmel Live in 2015. President Barack Obama deflected with jokes. The aliens won't let it happen. You'd reveal all their secrets, and they'd exercise strict control over us, Obama said. I can't reveal anything. Kimmel also asked Presidents George W. Bush and Bill Clinton the same thing, to no avail. Given Sanders' pledge, UFO watchers should be interested to see what he can reveal should he succeed in making his way to the Oval Office. The new American religion of UFOs. Belief in aliens is like faith in religion and may come to replace it, according to some. Last week, the New York Times published a viral article about reports of UFOs off the coast in 2014 and 2015 and included an interview with five Navy pilots who witnessed and in some cases recorded mysterious flying objects with no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes that appeared to reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds. No one is quite sure what they saw, but the sightings are striking, and they're part of a growing fascination with the possibility of intelligent alien life. According to Diana Pascula, a professor at the University of North Carolina and author of the new book, American Cosmic, belief in UFOs and extraterrestrials is becoming a kind of religion, she says, and it isn't nearly as fringe as you might think. More than half of American adults 
and over 60% of young Americans believe in intelligent extraterrestrial life. This tracks pretty closely with the belief in God, she says. And if Pascula is right, that's not an accident. Her book isn't so much about the truth of UFOs or aliens. It is about what the appeal of belief in those things says about our culture and the shifting roles of religion and technology in it. On the surface, it's a book about the popularity of belief in aliens, but it's really a deep look at how myths and religions are created in the first place and how human beings deal with unexplainable experiences. A lightly edited transcript of the conversation with Pascula follows. Uh, you describe belief in UFOs and aliens as the latest manifestation of a very old impulse, a religious impulse. What is it about extraterrestrials that captivates so many people? Pascula goes on to say, one way we can make sense of this by using a very old but functional definition of religion as simply the belief in non-human and supernatural intelligent beings that often descend from the sky. There are many definitions of religion, but this one is pretty standard. There is another distinction about belief in non-human extraterrestrial intelligence or UFO inhabitants that makes it distinct from the types of religions with which we are most familiar. Um, a historian of Catholicism, for instance, would say uh, what they find when they interact with people in Catholic communities is that they have faith that Jesus walked on water and that the Virgin Mary uh, apparitions were true. But there's some uh, something very different about the UFO narrative. Here we have people who are actual scientists like Ellen Stolfen, the former chief scientist at NASA. Uh, they are uh, This person's willing to go on TV and basically make announcements like, we are going to find extraterrestrial life. Now she's not exactly uh, talking about the intelligent extraterrestrial life, but that's not how many people interpret her anyway. She says that they're going to find life. They're going to find inhabitable planets and things like that. But So that gives this type of religious, religiosity a far more powerful bite than the traditional religions, which are based on faith and things unseen and unfound. But the belief that UFOs and aliens are potentially true and could potentially be proven makes this a uniquely powerful narrative for the people who believe in it. It is fair to call this new form of religion uh, a religion, I, I would say so. Uh, there are two incredible modern scientists, such as Alan Hynek and Joaquiz Valil, who reviewed the idea. Hynek passed away in 1986, but he actually, uh, the star character in the History Channel show Project Blue Book, Valil is still here, and he's an astronomer and a computer scientist who worked on ARPANET, which was a military precursor to the Internet. Basically, Hynek and Valil called themselves the Invisible College. Once they started to believe the things they were investigating were somehow either extraterrestrial or interdimensional, they were part of a group of scientists that were known to each other but were not known to the general public who quietly pursued the research of their own time. So once uh, you start engaging with uh, these scientists who are doing this type of work, who believe in the reality of extraterrestrial intelligence, who believe they were reverse engineering technology from what they insisted was alien aircraft, it, it would be stunning for all of us to bear witness to this and probably cause some sort of a cataclysmic event where people are often shooting each other Religions are battling other religions for supremacy, 
And if we all of a sudden have a mothership appear out of the sky, out of nowhere, you're going to have all of these gun-crazy Americans or those from other countries that are gun-crazy popping off rounds at the unknown and possibly creating an interstellar war. That's something that we don't really need to see in our lifetime, or any lifetime for that matter. Hey guys, good news. The outrageously expensive little blue pill is now generic, which means you can get the prescription medication to treat ED at affordable prices. And Hems makes it extra affordable. You pay just 30 bucks for a month's supply. And right now, get your first online doctor's visit totally free when you go to 4 slash good. That's right, free, zero copay, no expensive appointments, no awkward face-to-face conversations to get your prescription. Hims connects you to doctors online who can evaluate you and, if appropriate, prescribe your ED medication. And a pharmacy sends it right to your door. Hims makes it affordable, private, and incredibly easy. Nobody likes dealing with ED. Now, thanks to Hims, nobody has to. And that's really good news. To start your free online visit, you need to go to this exclusive address, 4hims.com slash good. That's 4hims.com slash good for your free online visit. F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash good. Family is big around here. We're family owned, family operated, family managed. And that means legacy. That means dependability. That means using Granger. With over 1.5 million products and knowledgeable product experts, Granger has whatever we need. And with same day pickup and next day delivery options, they have it whenever we need it. For over 90 years, businesses like ours have trusted Granger. Because, like family, Granger's got our back. Call, click Granger.com, or stop by to see for yourself. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It is super cool to believe that UFOs exist. At this point in time in history, in human history, that is. The government has literally just admitted that it's taking UFOs seriously. That's number one on my list. And according to researchers, it's only pretended to end the program. In 1952, a CIA group called the Psychological Strategy Board concluded that when it came to UFOs, the American public was dangerously gullible and prone to hysterical mass behavior. The group recommended debunking campaigns to tamper the public's interest in unexplained phenomenon. But the government seems to have been interested, too. In December, the Pentagon confirmed the existence of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, created in 2007 by Senators Ted Stevens, who reportedly being chased by a mysterious object at the time, Daniel Yao, and then Majority Leader Harry Reid, and funded with $22 million in black money from the Department of Defense's budget. The program investigated and evaluated reports of UFO sightings, many of which came from American service members. So much of that the program uncovered remains classified. But what little we know is tantalizing. Based on data it collected, the program identified five observations that showed mysterious objects displaying some level of advanced physics also known as stuff humans can't do yet. The objects would accelerate with G-forces too strong for the human body to withstand, or reach hypersonic speed with no heat trail or sonic boom. If they seem to resist the effects of Earth's gravity without any aerodynamic structures to provide thrust or lift, no one has been able to figure out what these are, says Louis Elzenado who ran the program until last October. Three giant spaceships 150 miles long are heading towards Earth. 
The UFO phenomenon has intensified since the beginning of 2020. More and more UFO sightings are reported daily in most continents. There are even special air defense departments that have secret laboratories that study all materials related to the UFO phenomenon. One cannot exclude the hypothesis that the secret services already have possession and have studied UFOs or even extraterrestrial beings. According to SETI, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence, three huge ships have been detected that are approaching our planet dangerously close. The largest ship is approximately 150 miles long. The HARP system, H-A-A-R-P, has played an essential role in the discovery of these alien ships. HARP was initially designed for the study of the Aurora Borealis. However, many conspiracy theorists speculate that HARP is also being used as a super-secret weather-intensifying weapon against foreign enemies and being used as tests. Subsequent statements suggest that these extraterrestrial spacecraft will be seen from Earth when they reach Mars orbit. One of the estimated dates for this event is July 4th, and it will also involve a possible contact between the human race and these aliens. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. Bombshell, the government's once clandestine UFO program will review findings of unexplained materials and crashes. Ladies and gentlemen, the Pentagon has off-world vehicles not made on this earth. This information was released late last week. The story includes official comments provided by the Pentagon to Popular Mechanics as well as New York Times, as well as a clarification of Senator Harry Reid's original comments in the New York Times report. For years, the government has repeatedly changed its tune regarding its official involvement with UFO research. As recently as February, a Pentagon spokesperson told Popular Mechanics that while a government program did investigate unmanned aerial vehicles and other unexplained aerial phenomena for some time last decade, funding dried up in 2012. But when Popular Mechanics thoroughly investigated the covert program, multiple sources have indicated it's still ongoing to this day. Now, a new report in the New York Times confirms those accounts. The government's UFO unit currently resides in the Office of the Naval Intelligence, where it deals with classified matters and materials, per the report. Even though the unit itself isn't classified, the Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force is meant to standardize collection and reporting on sightings of UAVs and publicly divulge at least some of its findings. Twice a year, according to the Times, in a June Senate committee report, the Senate authorized appropriations for fiscal year of 2021 for the task force, supporting its efforts to reveal any links that unidentified aerial phenomena have to adversarial foreign governments and the threat they pose to the U.S. military assets and installations. The committee remains concerned that there is no unified comprehensive process within the federal government for collecting and analyzing intelligence on unidentified aerial phenomena. Despite 
the potential threat, the committee understands that the relevant intelligence may be sensitive. Nevertheless, the committee finds that the information sharing and coordination across the intelligence community has been inconsistent, and this issue has lacked attention from senior leaders. Therefore, the committee directs the DNI in consultation with the Secretary of Defense jointly consider relevant to submit a report within a 180-day period of the date of enactment of this act to the Congressional Intelligence and Armed Services Committees on Unidentified Aerial Phenomena, also known as anomalous aerial vehicles, including observed airborne objects that have not been identified. Senator Marco Rubio, who chairs the Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, told a CBS affiliate in Florida that he's most interested in learning from the task force who's responsible for unidentified aircraft spotted over American military bases. Rubio said he hopes the Chinese or Russians or some other adversary hasn't made some sort of technological leap that allows them to conduct this sort of activity. That, to me, Rubio said, is a national security risk and one we should be looking into. While such UAVs may very well come from foreign adversaries, the other possibility, of course, is that we can't pinpoint their origins from anywhere on this planet. And that's where the New York Times report gets really interesting. Harry Reid, the former Nevada senator who was instrumental in funding the original UFO program, told the Times he believes that crashes of objects of unknown origin may have occurred and that retrieved material should be studied. After looking into this, he says, I came to the conclusion that there were reports. Some were substantive, some not so substantive. But there were actual materials that the government and private sector have in their possession. An earlier version of this Times article said Reed believed crashes from other worlds had indeed occurred and that retrieved materials had been studied secretly for decades, often by aerospace companies under government contracts. The Times has corrected Reed's account and Reed has since clarified his statements in a tweet below. Popular Mechanics has updated this section of the article accordingly where Harry Reid says, I have no knowledge and I have never suggested the federal government or any entity has unidentified flying objects or debris from other worlds. I have consistently said we must stick to science, not fairy tales about little green men. Despite the Pentagon statements that it disbanded a once covert program to investigate unidentified flying objects, the effort remains underway. Officials continue to study mystifying encounters between military pilots and unidentified aerial vehicles. The astrophysicist Eric Davis, who consulted with Pentagon's original UFO program and now works for the defense contractor Aerospace Corporation, told the Times that after he examined certain materials and crashes, he came to the conclusion that we couldn't make them ourselves. In fact, Davis briefed a Department of Defense agency along with Harry Reid as recently as March about retrieving materials of off-world vehicles not made on this planet. The Pentagon's secret UFO program has some strange stories to tell. The former leader of the U.S. government's top secret UFO program has some strange stories to tell, and he is sharing some of them for the first time in a new documentary. 
Intelligence officer Luis Elizondo served as the former director of the Pentagon's Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, AATIP, an initiative launched in 2007 to study reports of UFO encounters. Elizondo departed the Pentagon in 2017. That year, he spoke with reporters at the New York Times confirming the existence of the shadowy agency and describing its mission. Now, Elizondo is pulling back the curtain on his tenure with the AATIP, which he left because of a lackluster official response to the agency's findings and their unwillingness to address potential risks from UFOs, according to the new show, Undefined Inside America's UFO Investigation, which premiered on May 31st on the History Channel at 10 p.m. No, there isn't a big reveal that the UFOs were alien spacecraft all along. But delving into long-hidden accounts of UFO investigations will hopefully encourage people and authorities to overcome long-standing stigmas and talk more openly about these mysterious aircraft, some of which may pose a bigger threat than we realize, Elizondo told Live Science. UFOs have perplexed and fascinated people for decades. They also pose a unique challenge to federal agents trying to determine if they represent a threat to national security. Before AATIP, the U.S. Air Force had launched Project Blue Book, which investigated more than 12,000 purported UFO sightings from 1952 to 1969. During Elzondo's tenure at AATIP, observers reported UFOs flying at hypersonic speeds, more than five times the speed of sound. Yet there were none of the signatures that usually accompany aircraft flying at such fantastic speeds, such as a sonic boom, he said. The UFOs were also unexpectedly mobile traveling so fast that they would have experienced gravitational forces or G-forces that far exceeded the limits of endurance for both humans and aircrafts. The F-16 Fighting Falcon aircraft, one of the most maneuverable in the U.S. arsenal, reaches its limit at around 16 to 18 Gs, while the human body can withstand about 9 Gs for a very short time before a person would start to black out, Elzondo said. These things that were observed that they were observing were pulling 400 to 500 Gs, he said. They don't have engines or even wings, and they are able to seemingly defy the natural effects of Earth's gravitational pull and what we know about physics. Some of the UFO sightings reported to AATIP were eventually resolved as aerial drones or test firings of new types of missiles that were spotted from an unusual angle. But while many astonishing UFOs still defied explanation, there simply isn't enough evidence to suggest they belong to extraterrestrials, Alzando added. However, another possibility is even more unsettling than the prospect of an alien invasion, that a foreign adversary has secretly developed technologies that are strategic game changers, unlike anything ever seen before, he said. Addressing the potential threat is an unnecessary step that government officials, even those that support AATIP, don't take seriously enough, according to Elizondo. What's more, the entrenched secrecy shrouding official UFO investigations only reinforces the association of UFOs with tinfoil hats and ridiculous stories. We trust the American people to know that North Korea has nuclear warheads pointed at Los Angeles. Yet we don't trust them with the knowledge that there's something in our skies that we don't know what it is. That seems counterproductive to me, Alzando noted. Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks presents Truly Terrifying Tales, 
narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. Are the aliens us? UFOs may be piloted by time-traveling humans, a new book argues. The great distances covered by visiting aliens may be ones of time rather than space. Unidentified flying objects have captured the public's attention over the decades. As exoplanet detection is on the rise, why not consider that star-hopping visitors from afar might be buzzing through our friendly skies by taking an interstellar off-ramp to Earth? On the other hand, could those piloting UFOs be us, our future selves, that have mastered the landscape of time and space? Perhaps those reports of people coming into contact with strange beings represent our distant human descendants, returning from the future to study us in their own evolutionary past. The idea of us being them has been advanced before. But a recent book, Identifying Flying Objects, a multidisciplinary scientific approach to the UFO phenomenon. Masters Creative LLC 2019 takes a fresh look at this prospect, offering some thought-provoking proposals. The objective of the book, Masters said, is to spur a new and more informed discussion among the believers and skeptics alike. I took a multidisciplinary approach in order to try and understand the oddities of this phenomenon, Masters told his interviewer during the time of the uh, book release as it was announced. The idea of us being them has been advanced before, but my book has opened up an entirely new discussion for this. Our job as scientists is to be taking and asking big questions and try to find answers to unknown questions. There's something going on here, and we should be having a conversation about this. We should be at the forefront of trying to find out what it is. Radio signals coming from inside the Milky Way have been detected by astronomers. They say the radio signal is coming from a source within the Milky Way and has been detected. The signal is a fast radio burst known as an FRB. Bright radio bursts that last mere milliseconds and appear to come from deep space because they are short-lived they were often only identified in satellite data after the signal was recorded finding where they came from and what produced them has been a larger mystery the first frbs were discovered over a decade ago since then scientists have been trying to work out what is causing them suggestions have included Cataclysmic events such as the collision of two neutron stars or a collapsing black hole. But these hypotheses were questioned when a repeated FRB was uncovered. A black hole can only collapse once because when the FRB repeated, scientists realized either there must be another explanation 
or more than one source can produce these bursts. Until now, however, none appeared to have come from our own galaxy. The latest discovery was announced in the Astronomer's Telegram by Paul Schultz of the University of Toronto, Canada, on behalf of the CHIME Canadian Hydrogen Intensity Mapping Experiment and FRB collaboration. In it, the team announced the detection of a bright radio burst coming from the active magenta known as the SGR 1935-2154. This is a type of neutron star, the collapsed core of a massive star that is thought to have an extremely powerful magnetic field. Ghosts, aliens, UFOs, Bigfoot, parallel universes, angels and demons, time travel, cryptozoology, and so much more within the realm of the unexplained, the strange, and the out of this world. I'm your host, Neil Parks, award-winning author, screenwriter, researcher, and paranormal professional. Join me every week as I tackle hot-button topics within the paranormal realm. I'll share personal accounts, my research, and secondhand evidence. I will read excerpts and stories from my books and discuss my upcoming projects in the literary world. Documentaries, both on TV and the big screen, plus my independent film projects. Paranormally Speaking is both thought-provoking and entertaining. New episodes drop every Thursday. Tune in to Paranormally Speaking and prepare to be enlightened. Ezekiel and the Strange Beings. Who were they exactly? The prophet Ezekiel was a Jewish priest who lived in Chaldea. He claimed he was contacted four times during a 20-year period, beginning about 593 B.C., by man-like beings who came to Earth in a fiery chariot. NASA rocket engineer Joseph Blumrich believes Ezekiel was probably the world's first UFOologist, describing in detail the strange beings that confronted him and their craft. Ezekiel's writings, of course, can be found in the Old Testament. In this book, The Space Beings of Ezekiel, Bontem, New York, 1974, which was published, Blumrich reinterprets Ezekiel's observations to produce an engineering analysis of the fiery chariot described in the Bible. Like I mentioned earlier, seeing a UFO at that time in the history of mankind, one would compare it to a wheel, a wheel in the sky. Uh, no one would at that time know what a saucer was or a disc or even a uh, cigar-shaped vehicle in the sky. They would equate it to a wheel. Incredibly, that analysis found that the object Ezekiel encountered could be built today. NASA, the author points out, holds patents on atmospheric reentry vehicles closely designed after the object Ezekiel reported. In the Bible, Ezekiel writes... He watched a stormy wind descend from the north, fire flashing forth continually, and within it he saw the likeness of four living creatures, each with four wings and a pair of human hands. Now, sounds a lot like uh, winged creatures, humanoids that could be close to what we think of as the Mothman or perhaps gargoyles or uh, any other type of winged cryptid. Bloomrick interprets this to mean four landing legs, possibly, each with four-bladed helicopter and mechanical arm attachments supporting a, a uh, spacecraft body. Ezekiel was able to positively identify only one feature of the object, the wheels, one at the bottom of each leg, which were capable of moving in any direction. Author Bloomrick believes Ezekiel's observation 
A wheel within a wheel describes a technique for locomotion. The U.S. space program incorporated into vehicles designed to operate on the surface of other planets. Ezekiel describes the wheels he saw as light greenish blue and the body of the object as resembling rock crystal or terrible ice as suggesting uh, to Bloomrick that the prophet was seeing a shiny surface, the same shiny surface described in thousands of present-day UFO sightings. From the object, the Bible tells us, emerged the appearance of a man who had been seated upon the likeness of a throne. Ezekiel refers to the being as the glory of the Lord, rather than the Lord himself, Bloomrick points out. The author believes the likeness of a man described by Ezekiel was a spacecraft commander who wore a gold or brass colored suit and demonstrated for the prophet his ability to fly from his craft to the ground. Then taken for a ride on the craft, Ezekiel described the experience with the words, the spirit lifted me up. According to Bloomrick's interpretation, and when they landed, seven men received the commander. One of them said, I have done as thou didst command me. Three more times over the following 20 years, Ezekiel described the same craft, and after each encounter, the prophet described the experience with the words, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and the Spirit took hold of me, or the Spirit lifted me up. Bloomrick speculates the prophet may have been describing a hyphonic influence and teleportation, possibly. He also theorizes that the UFO began its descent after separating from a larger UFO at 220 miles in altitude. A brief firing of its rockets enabled the craft's helicopter-like blades to descend the rest of the way and maneuver for a landing. The author believes Ezekiel witnessed this phase of the flight and the prophet mistook the rockets blasting for lightning and the helicopter blades for rushing wind. The author believes Ezekiel was chosen for an encounter because he was a priest and occupied a leadership role among his people. Based on Ezekiel's observations, Bloomrick believes that speculated the ETs were studying humans and ex, um, exerated the intellectual influence of the development of human civilization through the priest Ezekiel. We need to make what's normal seem strange. To find intelligent alien life, humans may need to start thinking like extraterrestrials. Our hunt for aliens has potentially had a fatal flaw from the beginning. We are the ones searching for them. That's the problem because we are a unique species and alien-seeking scientists are even stranger and more specialized. As a result, their all too human assumptions may get in the way of their alien listening endeavors. To get around this, the Breakthrough Listening Project, a $100 million initiative scouring the cosmos for signals of otherworldly beings as part of the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. SETI, of course, is asking anthropologists to help unmask some of these biases. It's kind of a joke at Breakthrough Listen. Claire Webb, an anthropology and history of science student at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, said here on January 8th at the 235th meeting of the American Astronomical Society. 
AAS in Honolulu. They tell me we're studying aliens, and you are studying us. Since 2017, Webb has worked with Breakthrough Listen to examine how SETI researchers think about aliens, produce knowledge, and perhaps inadvertently place anthropocentric assumptions into their work. She sometimes describes their efforts as making the familiar strange. For instance, your life might seem perfectly ordinary, maybe involving being hunched over a desk and shuttling electronics around between computers until examined through an anthropological lens, which points out that this is not exactly a universal state of affairs. At the conference, Webb presented a poster looking at how breakthrough listen scientists use artificial intelligence to shift through large data and try to uncover potential techno-signatures or indicators of technology or tool use by alien organisms. Researchers who use AI tend to disavow human handicraft in the machines they build, Webb told Science. They attribute to a lot of the agency to those machines. I find that somewhat problematic and at the worst untrue. Any AI is trained by human beings who present it with the types of signals they think an, an intelligent alien might produce. In doing so, they predispose their algorithms to certain biases. It can be incredibly difficult to recognize such thinking and overcome its limitations, Webb said. Now moving on to a really fun topic, alien abduction. The term alien abduction or abduction phenomenon describes subjectively real experiences of being secretly kidnapped by non-human figures or aliens and subjected to physical and psychological experimentation. Most scientists and mental health professionals explain these experiences by factors such as suggestibility, false memory syndrome, sleep paralysis, deception, and psychopathology. Skeptic Robert Schaefer sees similarity between the aliens depicted in science fiction films, in particular Invaders from Mars, and some of these reported to have actually abducted people. People claiming to have been abducted are usually called abductees or experiencers. Typical claims involve forced medical examinations that emphasize the subject's reproductive systems. Abductees sometimes claim to have been warned against environmental abuse and the dangers of nuclear weapons in the process. The contents of the abduction narrative often seem to vary with the home culture of the alleged abductee. Reports of the abduction phenomenon have been made around the world, but are most common in English-speaking countries, especially the United States. The first alleged alien abduction claim to be widely publicized was the Betty and Barney Hill abduction of 1961. Well, this should whet your appetite. Right now, NASA has confirmed or openly discussed, not necessarily confirmed, ancient alien city found on the secret dark side of the moon in different NASA images. This week marks 50 years since man landed on the moon. But was something there before us? 50 years ago this week, man first set foot on the moon. Neil Armstrong, whom I was named after, Neil, of course, but he spelled it N-E-I-L, I'm N-E-A-L. Neil Armstrong won the space 
when he stepped out onto the lunar surface and declared, that's one small step for man, one giant step for mankind. Sorry, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. He was joined by fellow astronaut Buzz Aldrin as the pair spent several hours walking the surface of the moon. Michael Collins, who was also part of the mission, remained in the command module while it was in, still in orbit. The Apollo 11 mission took off from Kennedy Space Center in Florida on July 16, 1969. It took the crew eight days to reach their destination. Eight days from the Earth to the moon. And the rest, of course, is history. Images and footage of the historic moment were beamed around the globe, mankind's first glimpse at lunar life. Since then, a raft of conspiracy theories have sprung up about whether or not the moon landing was faked. But one of the most unusual ideas is that on the dark side of the moon, not visible from Earth, lies an ancient alien city. NASA images of the dark side of the moon have fueled the belief that Earth's nearest neighbor is hiding an amazing secret. Some of the pictures show square-shaped rocks, and alien hunters have claimed they could be buildings. They, had, they add the structures that look to have been abandoned millions of years ago, which has led them to believe a tragic incident is the reason aliens no longer live on the moon. Scott C. Waring wrote about his wild theory on the ET database. The conspiracy theorist said, the objects seem to be very reflective, but have dark black areas that have a lot of right angles and appear to be structures. Some of the objects were white reflective roofs or buildings that had openings that allow ships to come in and go. Some of the ships in those structures are hanging halfway out, which makes me think some tragic event happened that stopped them from existing fully. Scott even believes the ancient city could have once included a port. Other conspiracy theorists claim to be certain that alien life still lives on the moon. Over the years, they claim to have spotted pyramids and other monuments similar to that. Hey, hot off the presses, I got a really interesting story here for you. An alien hunter explains why he won't be going to Area 51 to look for little green men. Uh, what started as an internet joke has generated a stern military warning after more than a million people signed up to raid Area 51, a secretive military installation in southern Nevada, long fancied by conspiracy theorists to be hiding evidence of a crashed UFO with aliens, or maybe more than one crashed UFO. The purpose of the planned raid is in order to see them aliens, quote-unquote. In the following Q&A, astronomy professor Jason Wright discusses the public's interest in answering the age-old question, are we alone? The questions go like this. Since you have a long-standing scholarly interest in extraterrestrial life and even wrote about the possibility of advanced civilizations in the distant past on Mars or Venus... I presume you've canceled your classes for September 20th and signed up to go to the raid in Area 51. His answer was, to be honest, I completely, I was completely unaware of the raid until you brought it to my attention. I work in SETI, the Scientific Research for Extraterrestrial Intelligence, and believe me, 
No one wants to find evidence of extraterrestrial life more than those of us in this field. We scour the skies for evidence of such extraterrestrial technologies with some of the most advanced equipment in the world for understanding what's going on in the sky. And we haven't found anything compelling yet, but we're not paying much attention to what is happening at Area 51. The next question they asked him, do you think the public knows enough about Area 51 or is the widespread interest in this raid a good barometric read on how frustrated people are that the government appears to be hiding things and once again um, trying to be so secretive that uh, they're hiding something? His answer was, I don't know very much about Area 51, but I can say that the intense interest in the goings-on there related to aliens reveals a deep public interest in what kinds of life might exist elsewhere in the universe. Their next question, have you yourself ever tried to do any real research into the happenings in Area 51? His response, not Area 51 exactly, the closest I've come to that was a talk I heard by a physicist describing the fascinating science carried out by the military back in the late 1940s, especially Project Mogul, which launched microphones on balloons to see if they could detect nuclear testing going on in the Soviet Union. It's an amazing story of physics and engineering ingenuity. When one of those balloons with its disc microphones and radar reflectors landed in a farm in Roswell, New Mexico, and helped fuel the whole alien craze we're still living with today. It's a shame because the science fiction-inspired aliens conspiracy theory is, from my standpoint, so much less fascinating than the story of the research that was going on then. Their next question. There was a time when the federal government provided researchers and money to search for and teach about the search for extraterrestrial life. And you laminated that that it is no longer the case. If you had your way, how much money do you think the federal government should give America's researchers to search for aliens or evidence of aliens? His response, the search for life in the universe is a major priority for NASA and the American Science Union. Many of our missions to Mars and our space telescopes are designed with the detection of biosignatures in mind. Biosignatures being signs of life like microfossils or evidence of metabolism in the atmospheres of distant planets. But despite the billions of dollars spent on these missions, I think many members of the public would be surprised to learn that NASA and the National Science Foundation spent next to nothing looking for intelligent life in the universe, including technological life that might, after all, be easier to find. I think the level of funding for the field should be determined the way the rest of the science is, by competitive peer review of proposals for research. So I don't know what the right level is, but I know it's not zero. Their response, you're the winner of the 2019 Drake Award. What is the Drake Award? Why did you win it? And what do you plan to do in order to advance what the award is about? The Drake Award is named after its first recipient, Frank Drake, who more than anyone launched the field of SETI in the early 1960s with his pioneering radio experiments. He also made the first calculation using what today we call the Drake Equation of the number of alien civilizations in the Milky Way that might be trying to contact us. The Drake Award is awarded occasionally by the SETI Institute. 
a research center dedicated to understanding humanity's place in the universe. I see this award as validation of my work to help elevate the field of SETI as an academic discipline and to persuade Congress, NASA, and the public that it is worth worthy of public investment. It is, after all, the scientific approach to answering one of the most profound questions ever asked. Is Earth life unique? Or are there other beings like us out there in the universe? That was a compelling article. I'm glad that you gave me time to share it with you. It's all the time I have for this week. Tune in next week for some more crazy stories, out-of-this-world theories, conspiracies, government cover-ups, ghost stories, um, things dealing with cryptozoology, and crop formations. Have a great weekend, and this is Neil Parks with Paranormally Speaking signing off. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's the end, my only friend. The end. Have a great rest of the week. Terrific weekend. Stay warm because the temperatures are dropping. I'll see you next week for another spectacular episode of Paranormally Speaking. I'm Neil Parks, and thank you for listening. You're unbelievable.